Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hello, Jim. Hi, David. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Are you elated? I am. I am especially elated. I'm still kind of on cloud nine about uh, things. Um, you have a um, a little uh, introduction for us. I do. Uh, bear with me for a moment, please. Of course. Uh, so I'm just, I'm just floating around here. Jim, this question is not for you. I'm going to say that for this week. <laughs> are you a listener? Why not? Regular listener. Why not? Subscribe to the Practical Guitarist using your chosen podcast app. Take the time to put in a review with the service where you found our podcast. I'll be at iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play, or wherever else podcasts get distributed these days. Get involved. Find our Facebook group at facebook.coms, uh, facebook.com, not coms, we're not communists, facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitarist. If you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can do so at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Oh, that was very good. Yeah. Uh, excuse my mistakes. Uh, next week I will read it properly. Yeah. Okay, so I'm <clears throat> going to talk a little bit about um, the PRS, the Experience PRS. I always said PRS Experience. It's actually Experience PRS. Oh, the other way around. I think... Paul was going for kind of a Jimi Hendrix vibe. So the- nah, yeah, but it was originally the PRS experience. Not He's sure. rebranding his own event. <laughs> I think so. Um, so, and I think, so, um, some of the things that uh, Paul had mentioned is that when you think about it, there was 3,300 people there. Two-day event, 3,300 people. Most of them did um, at least one day, and a lot of people did both days. Um, right. That said, most of the people that did the first day were definitely there the second day. So what I'm getting at here is um, this might not be as big as Nam or Gearfest or something like that, but you're, no, you've got to brand. think about one brand. And this one brand thought, brought 3,300 people in from all around the country. Um, so I'm not sure if they did like a who came from the furthest area or anything, but that place was packed. And Paul went to no, he spared no expense to make sure everybody was comfortable. You, it was a hot, sunny day. It began really hot, humid, sunny day. And yet the inside of that factory was cool as a cucumber. Um, the, uh, and here's, uh, uh, there were tents everywhere, water. There were water tubs everywhere for free. You could just grab a water. Um, that's the, awesome. uh, he had a lot more, um, this wasn't like a concert where you have way too few restrooms. He had a lot more rest areas than you needed to be able to, you know, relieve yourself. It's to accommodate the players or the players' wives. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, and you, oh my God, I saw so many guitars, so many cases, guitars without cases, and then cases in the other hand and stuff flying out that door. They made sales like you wouldn't believe. But it wasn't direct from Paul Reed Smith. There was more guitars. There was a whole bunch of other folks. I, I posted some pics in the, um, in the Facebook uh, group. Um, 
So he's um, starting to he's starting to um, use his event to like help other brands and stuff too. Or? Oh yeah, Guitar Center was it? Well, not other brands, but other um, y- you know his his distributors. So sure. you had Moore's okay. guitars. Um, and I I uh, I want to get a hold of Mr. Moore because I guess he um was part of um the the beginning of of engineering and tooling the uh, bridges for Paul Reed's that are now still being used. Those, okay. Those bridges. Um, so on the custom twenty two, custom twenty four. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to kind of try to keep my ADHD to a minimum, kind of take the day and <laughs> and move forward. So I walk up to the to the place and I said, "Yeah, I'm James Woodard, um, and I'm press. I have a media." Band. And the guy looked at because actually I didn't say that. I just said, "Yeah, I'm James Woodard. I'm in the W's toward the end of your list. I'm sure because alphabetically I come close to the end of." most lists right uh, in last names so um it was just funny because the guy um looks down and i didn't say anything about being media and he looks down and he goes uh you're media i said yes sir i'm with a practical guitarist i gave him a card and he's like oh and he gave me my name back now, like now you're now media? that makes more sense from when you told me that this morning i was like wow we got disrespected pretty bad and then no, you're like no, he was now, now like, you're explaining you didn't tell him no, like, oh. I didn't tell him. I didn't tell. I just said, "Yeah, James Woodard." And he goes, "Oh, your media?" And, 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 no. gave, and I had my bag with my stuff, you know, to do the the, the um, camera and everything else. So, um, uh, I knew that I I got there early. So I had left a gig, as I said last podcast. Uh, last podcast, uh, I had left a gig, and and I had was very little sleep. I overslept by twenty five minutes for my target time. So I was like, "Oh, throw everything in a bag." Get your hair done. Get your teeth brushed. I had all my um, my uh, clothes in my cars, so ready for you know, because I just wore a t-shirt up there and and then put the practical guitarist shirt when I got up there on. Um, and uh, so here's a here's a really pale white white guy changing his shirt in the parking lot. That's exactly um, why I got dark blue. Yeah, yeah, and um, so. Uh, they they opened the gates a little bit later. I got there before they opened the gates, so I was I was one of the first people through the gates. Went through, met Jeannie, uh, Jean. Um, she was wonderful. She said, "Jim, you know, what would you like to do?" I said, "I uh, interview whoever you know we can." And um, uh, she said, "I'm going to try." I said, "I would like to try to get um, Paul's time." So she said, "Okay, I'm going to, you know, everybody has a time." Um, and he All was right. running late on interviews from the day before, so I didn't have much hope. But hey. You, you hold on to hope for that. But on the other side of that, um, so the, the, um, I went up to get to an ATM because I had driven right up there. I didn't stop for anything. I didn't stop pee. I didn't stop for gas. I didn't stop for anything. And it was a four-hour ride. So I get there, and I'm like, I can't even get water. So I walk up to the guy at the beer tank, and I said, the beer place, which was open right away before noon. You can get beer. <laughs> wine pizza and and let me guess you you were charged for the beer no i didn't get i didn't well i didn't drink beer until later because um i didn't get to an atm and they go i said where's the atm and he goes oh it's over there and i looked around i was like i can't find it so i went to the lost and found to find the atm i go well this must be a place to find the atm so anyway um let's get to the guitar stuff so um I found out the water guy or the beer guy said, "Hey, the water's free. You can drink as much as you want." So I was like, "Ah, heck with it. I'll just drink water." I hadn't eaten yet either, so I had no breakfast. I was, you know, yeah. and we're pushing noon by this point. 
So um, I went through some of the tents and I was just checking out, you know, stages. The, the musicians were already playing. So here's some cool stuff. So they had a place with like eight or ten stations in a semicircle under a tent where you could try out stuff. This was not stuff you could purchase. You could purchase it inside from a retailer. It was cool right. of Paul not to do any direct sale. That was to be done with a retailer. But you could go try stuff. Now, here's the interesting thing. Um, so he had three Silver Skies under that tent and another Silver Sky at a later tent I'll mention. All not for sale, even though they have extra um, uh, shifts of personnel building Silver Skies to, to make the orders of, of orders they've already got and they can't fill, much less orders that are going to come in. So <clears throat> I did get my hands, as you saw in a picture in the, in the group, on a Silver Sky. Um, having been a player of um, uh, Stratocaster since you know, the early 70s and, and having owned one for a long time, um, first of all, the neck is beefy. If you are not a beefy neck player, do not even try it because this thing is like the old Telecaster nets and the early Stratocaster necks of the... So, so it's a hard C, right? Like yes, a very, very right. thick neck. Um, but smooth as silk as far as playability. Um, I really liked it. I loved the, the volume controls, the way they were set up. Um, I didn't bump it when I was playing. Um, the, uh, the switch was smooth. And this thing was, had been played quite a few times. I was not the first person to pick it up that day. Oh, I, I'm sure. And people were sweaty and people were, and, and you know, I'm not, I, I washed my hands with this, you know, the, the no. The hand sanitizer. Yeah, the hand sanitizer. And I played it and then I washed my hands afterwards. But the guy that was nice enough to take my picture and not steal my phone. And, um, uh, so anyway, um, uh, it was, it was really nice. It sounded really good. I played it through a Tremonti, um, the new Tremonti amp, which I was surprised because when Anderton's did a video on it, they weren't really um, impressed with the, with the, um, clean channel. But I have to say that I was able to get some really good clean tones. Of course, you were going into headphones. So you're going through an IR into headphones. And we know, we both know that that's not. All L, all tell all of a, um, of an amplifier, but it did feel good. It did it did respond well. The amplifier was really good for it, you know. And and you could try any of the amps with any of the guitars, and you had bases too. They had bases for trial. Um, so then, uh, of course, there was a lot of security because people could walk away with like tens of thousands of dollars of stuff. Oh, sure, in a yeah. Second, so <clears throat> you had a lot of security there. And they were Baltimore police security, so they weren't messing around. The um, the train is going by right now. Um, <laughs> so the, the train the, uh, is coming. Train is coming. They had another interesting thing. Now here's where a practical guitarist really got the chance to try this stuff out. You could sign up to try any of the guitars and whatever the amps and stuff. They had a back line of amps and and a, a um, road case of guitars you could try on stage with the band so oh, that's awesome that was awesome so you had a pro bass player a pro guitar player and a pro drummer who stood there and played i i, I shook those guys hands i was like oh, i gotta talk to you guys later <laughs> they played all day i cannot imagine that was like my dream job 
cannot imagine how their fingers felt. And the you know, I talked to the bass player because I told him I'm I'm more of a precision guy than a jazz guy. How's it feel? You know, because I didn't really play any basses while I was there. I really didn't have time. It was like going to Disneyland. It was literally like going to Disneyland because you had so much stuff to do. There were, it's only two days, and it's only two, and I only had one day, so I had I had to see the um, the guitars, which were so beautiful. I want to take so many pictures. I wanted to play some and hold them, which everyone it was a take it down, put it in your hands, hold it, play it, feel it, listen to it, do whatever you want. You know, shy of some weird stuff with the guitars and the amps and the stuff that were there, acoustic guitars. The the Tremonti, the the Archon, every amplifier they've got. Um. So, um. Anyway, so I, I did get to try that, and I did. I, I was going to sign up to go on the stage, but I was like, uh, I'll do that next time. Which I found I out they they do it every two years. I I should have, but if if I had somebody like you there, or somebody to to film me being there, it would have been a little better because then we could share it with people. But it would just been me talking about it, and I could talk about other people doing it. And and let me tell you, the the band was very gracious because some of those guys, you know, come on. But on the other hand, that is how you tell whether or not you like a guitar. And so I I went to a couple of the clinics. Um, I'll talk about some of those in specifics in another thing. But um, so music is win, and uh, Emil, um, uh, what his name is, Emil, what his name is. I'll, I'll put the the list of people. In the uh, um, in the group, but um, the first guy was talking about how um, to take covers and play them, you know, in a in a pro environment. And how do you make your money? How do you make a living doing this um, as a cover musician? Yet music is win was like, how do you become a guitar player in the 2018s and 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 beyond? And um, you know, make a living as a guitar player as general. Um, so <clears throat> the first guy, um, there was a guy in there that asked him, uh, well, how much money is too much money to spend on your first guitar? That was a huge, you had like, it started out with like eight of us and it was probably 200 people <laughs> st- sitting underneath this big tent. And by the time music is win was, was in there. And it's not because he was better. It's just as, as you get to yeah. further into the clinics, more people tend to. Come in. There was more people that that had already bought a. You know, I bought a strap. All right. Matter of fact, I bought a strap, a cup, a <laughs> a coffee cup, um, a uh, let's see, a, a strap, a coffee cup, um, a rag because I needed one for my guitars anyway. Another a new rag so I could throw one away. Um, a wiping rag, and um, they said, "Well, if you spend this much more money, you get fifteen percent uh, off." I was like, "That's like getting a free item." So yeah, give me the T-shirt. I got a. Experience PRS t-shirt, um, 2018. So, um, <clears throat> which I wore the next day. So anyway, went through this whole, um, uh, uh, thing and, and, and the, the, you know, it, it'll be an interesting thing to talk about later, but how much is too much to spend on your first guitar? I got a lot of insight from a lot of people that, that were things that I hadn't really thought about. Um, and interesting, uh, but it really came down to you know play what inspires you to play, and that's right. And that's really, I mean, let's face it, that is the answer to the question, right? And and the guy who was up there, he says, you know, I know I'm here and I'm playing a PRS, and that's what I'm here to talk about. But let me tell you something. He goes, play what feels good to you. 
what feels good to me might not be as good to you. Let me tell you, every single guy up there was playing their own PRSs. They were real PRS players. Um, uh, you know, music is when Tyler Larson, he was There's playing. There's one in particular Baby. we need to talk about at the end of this episode. Yeah. Uh, there was Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we could, you know what I'm talking about. You're, yeah. You saw the video, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, there was some, there was some great people and some great players. Um, so uh, the next thing that, uh, um, uh, you know, I sat through three of the clinics. By that point, Jeannie called me. She said that uh, Paul was um, ready for me. Um, so I came back, but by then he had, he had to go to a, um, they were doing a sound check thing. He was very hands-on. I mean, I got to see oh, yeah. him several times. I got to hear him several times. I'll talk, I'll talk about some of the things he said that I overheard. Um, so <clears throat> at one point he was, he was talking about the people and, and the need for great sound and blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, it was loud. It was loud. Everything was, t- was cranked. Um, mm-hmm. Yet I never heard a single squeech of feedback, not one, and I was, and um, uh, nothing, not a guitar, not a vocal, nothing fed. Yeah, I mean they they probably put a lot of if they're anything like my association, they put a lot of time into planning that thing. So Jeannie and... asked me, she said, uh, "Do you want to interview anybody else?" And I told her maybe if I could. And then you know she got, she's very busy. She's Jean is the woman that was was um, yeah she's she's the handler for right. the, like the whole thing and she is so. the public relations media person that that so I understood I'm not um, the fact that I didn't get an interview that that day I'll probably get one later but that day is because there was so much going on and then we had a thunderstorm that came through um, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second because I got to get to other stuff I, my ADHD jumped me hours ahead of time so. Um, music is when I got up there and I put him on the spot and I asked him what his go-to rig was. And, uh, he said, baby was his go-to guitar, which, I mean, we all know, um, that, that are fans of his, that, um, uh, he loves his PRS single cut. Um, and there were, it, there were so many great things going on. I could not see them all because the main stage was going on. There were two, there was a side stage going on and then there was this stage going on. And some of these people that were trying stuff out it, it were awesome players i was like wow that's the pro no that's just the dude trying out a, a guitar it could have been a pro because you 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 had no idea who you were going to meet i mean it, it literally and you're in baltimore right next yeah to you're like elbows to elbows with everybody yeah your asses and elbows with everybody you have no idea who's standing next to you. it was a, it was a fantastic experience um definitely something if you're in the area in 2020 when they do it again i would recommend going to um even if it's just well, PRS, by something. then I'll be going. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'll be doing it again. But uh, you know, I live here. Um, so <clears throat> um, then uh, um, I I met a couple of YouTubers. You know, I met uh, the Tone King, and I met Phil Mc, um, Phil McKnight. Of course, I met uh, Bethany and Tyler Larson from Music Is Win. Um, you know, I met uh, uh, some other folks. Um, one of the most interesting uh, things that was asked of um, uh, Music is Win during his pod or his uh, clinic was he was asked um, uh, how do you how do young people this this one couple was um, were teachers and they had kind of like a school of rock type thing he said how do you tell young people to deal with the haters he goes he goes you sit down and you he said believe me we see negative comments and uh, he said you just take ten seconds and. Do I really need to respond to that? 
That's that's really what it comes down to. Did you just take a few seconds and breathe? Well, my therapist. Never mind. Yeah. Well, my I I just smash something and move on. But um, no, no, that's why I'm in therapy. <laughs> yeah. No, but jo- all joking aside, that's that I've you know. It, luckily, I'm old enough that that I still can't see internet trolls as real people. They're just things. Um. So then um. The uh, um. Uh, we we had um. Uh, so we were getting ready to go under the the um, part. They were going to uh, do um, a drawing. I, I I put in money for the drawing for the charity um, and got some tickets. I didn't win, unfortunately for me. Yeah. But fortunately for the young lady, I think I think you know it was a very young girl. She looked like she would, could have been like fourteen or sixteen. Won it. Um, That's cool. <clears throat> that was that was awesome uh, for her. <laughs> Should have been me. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Moving on, Jim. <laughs> I'm not bitter at all. Um, Damn it, Jim. <laughs> Damn it. I should have won. I should have bought all the tickets. I should have stolen them all. Um, so, um, the they, leprechaun? <laughs> My bag of gold. So, um, uh, they, uh, he did the drawing, and that was, uh, he was getting ready to do it, and then a thunderstorm came in. Now, um, so before that, they had a factory tour. Now, everybody's been on a factory tour. I've been in many factory tours. Never a guitar factory tour, but many factory tours. And they always hide something, because there's always something to hide. No. There was only one booth, one work booth, that had like a, like a um, thing around it. So I was like, all right. Booth. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like, do not look, or, you know. So I kind of looked, and it was just because that's where they put all the tools, and they had this <laughs> one messy guy's <laughs> thing. So they put all the you crap left. there. Yeah, it leave it just, to Jim. Jim's yeah. like, I'll pull back the curtain. I got to yep. see what's in here. Yeah. So I did the Dorothy at uh, at the Wizard of Oz thing, and it was just a messy desk. That's really wow. all it was. That's all they were wow. hiding was a messy desk. It just had a bunch of crap on it. I, I saw all the all the um. Pl- uh, I, I put a picture up of some of it um, where they cut um, the guitars. You know the etching thing. They had the little. Um, pans. I, I don't know what you call them. I'm not a word worker, guys, so go ahead and make fun of me. Um, but they had this thing where that's where the, the cutter comes in and whoosh, does its cutting. Uh, it's laser cutting for precision um, before they sand them down. And I asked, they said, is that just rough cut? He said, no, no, that once they come out of there, they just get sanded down. So, and you could go right into, and I did, I went right into the area where they make the, um, uh, the custom shop stuff. So cool. Custom shop guys were right there. It's, it, wherever you went, somebody for the, for the, that works the station was there. They had the wood locked up? No. And the wood was out? Well, and, everything but the stuff he keeps in the vault. No. Well, the vault is the vault, but the, all the wood was out. And, and here's what else is cool. Not only was the wood out and dated for real, but all these blanks were sitting there. Yeah. yeah. With their tops glued. I see yeah. pictures. I know. I know exactly where you're at in the factory at that point. Yeah, and so then what was also cool, and I compared it to Easter eggs. They gave you like you know when they cut, they they have a piece of maple that's left over. You could take them the uh, a leftover piece of maple. I've got one. I got to take it out of my car, um, and you could dye it. So they let you dye yeah, it as much that, as they you They did wanted. that at Gearfest too. And so um, I dyed my own piece of maple um, with. PRS guy, you know, made myself a blue one, whale blue thing. <clears throat> awesome. Bright color. And uh, you, so I saw the next. So uh, as you saw by the pictures in the group, 
Um, I got to see two silver skies that were laying there um, waiting to be finished. Um, one was black, one was silver. And uh, when are we going to get a blue sky? I don't know. That, that's what I want. I want a custom shop blue silver sky. But anyway, um, no, if I go custom shop, I'm definitely going to get, you know. Yeah, go custom 24 or 22. Custom 24 <laughs> or 22. Yeah, that's what I'm. But anyway, so um, there was nothing hidden. And all your questions were answered, and it didn't matter. Um, so I asked the guy, I said, uh, uh, um, so I asked, uh, is, are there plans for an SE Silver Sky? Absolutely not. Not in anywhere near in the near future. And I said, all right, your highness I said, no, because it takes too long. You can't just turn up the Silver Sky factory overseas. No, sure. It, it, there's, a, there's a period of adjustment there. And, uh, right. And that's, it, it might take six to eight months to get that well, going. Yeah, so it's it's at least not in anywhere near. He said, "Look, we can't even fill the American orders. We are not going to put SEs on the lines yet. That is long." Oh no, ever. that's why. And that, that, that's what I figured. That's the diplomatic answer at this point. Right. I suspect that that that's a a long term strategy. Well, here's the other thing. So we talked in length about the Silver Sky. John Mayer was there several times, and the guy I was talking to sat with John Mayer because he was a guy that was on the Silver Sky thing. Sat with John Mayer several times going over that guitar. And <clears throat> so um, during, during um, uh, my tour, because I did guided, um, I, I really drilled him about that. Um, so John Mayer was there, and, and he said, the reason that, you know, it's not just that they can't fill the orders. John doesn't want this guitar with his name on it to just be, you know, this. And you know that, that PRS takes the... Um, uh, the overseas thing seriously. It's not like just here. Right, here's right. a here's a die and cast. Cut some guitars and send them to us, and make right. them look like ours. They don't have to sound anything like it. As you heard by my two sets of eighty five fifteens. Um, so I was totally impressed by that. Here's the other thing I didn't notice. So the the back of the headstock on the on the um, PRS SEs. Let me grab it real quick. I've got it. So an SE. It says, it doesn't just say made in Korea. It says built by World Musical, Musical Instrument Co um, Company, LTD Korea, under exclusive license for PRS. Guitar. Correct, correct. Right. Now, why? Because they want to make it very clear to everybody that they partnered with a third party. I don't know. Not just that. The, I mean, if you say made in Korea, it's obviously made in Korea. It's obviously yeah, made in Korea. Yeah, but... But that doesn't necessarily mean you don't own the factory. It gives the Korean company ownership of the quality of the guitar that came over. Sure. It says, because there is a, um, now in Asian culture, one of the things that, that um, you have to understand is that your work is a definition of you. It, it helps define you. Sure. And because uh, I'm that, just saying that that swings both ways. Well, because of that, it's it's by putting their name on it, they can't go up. Oh, we didn't make. No, they ha sure. they take ownership and their pride pushes them a little further in in the develop or I mean in the um uh, the creation of the of the instrument itself, not well, the development well, of the instrument of creation. But let's let's I mean let's let's be real for a moment. Um, 
it goes both ways. Like at the same time that they're getting their little boost in, in ego, like Paul Reed Smith is absolving themselves and saying that this is an actual dyed in the wool USA PRS guitar. It's, it's a little bit different than like say Epiphone Gibson where there it's a clear delineation in brand. Like yes. they're saying we're taking responsibility for this. Cause it's got our name on the headstock. Yep. But at the same time, they're also saying this is built by contract. That's true. But as you've noticed in the change in the headstock last year, they're taking even more ownership right. of the fact that, hey, this is a Paul Reed Smith. This is not a copy of Paul Reed Smith. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, also um, the SEs right there at the factory, that's where they're, um, uh, that's where they're gone through. So the, you know, the same um, people um, who are in that factory um, they're they're there um, with the SEs as well. Um, the um, so anyway, uh, what I was saying is it was it was very there was a lot of candor in that there was a lot of openness. So um, you could hear him start to to warm up. Um, Paul had this big thing he wanted to show, uh, which was a big surprise uh, in the middle of the show. So. Um, Came out of the factory, uh, went over and had a beer. They finally they had the ATM working. I had no food, but I got a beer. So <laughs> I went. <laughs> let's see where let's see where Jim's priorities lie. <laughs> so I got a beer, and um, uh, the one guy goes, "You might want to get two tickets." I, I have to admit, they had enough beer trucks keep keep the lines. You know, eight or ten was as deep as it got for any point, and usually it was about two or three. Um, so they, they kept it rolling. Beer, the beer and the wine were really rolling and rolling well. But that's by keeping their, 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 um, their things limited. But it wasn't like, here's Coors Light and Bud Light. It was um, Vienna Lager and, you know, that stuff, which was down yeah, right here. Yeah, that's the stuff that, that, that Paul himself would actually drink. Exactly, the good stuff. And so you weren't paying $4 for a freaking, you know, um, horse piss, Coors Light or a um, Keystone. So, um, got myself, uh, you know, a beer and I'm drinking it and walking over and, and Gene showed me where, you know, the media could stand because w- the idea was not to give us a better view of everything, but so that we could turn around and take pictures of the crowd as well as taking pictures of the, of the stage, um, and not have a, you know, a six foot four person with a, um, cowboy hat on in front of us. So, um, that was pretty cool. But I limited my time there because I kind of felt like I was blocking the front row. Um, so I only went up there for a little bit. Um, but you were r- literally right against the stage. Uh, Paul played. Um, but before he got on stage, he had this um, thing where he brought out a bunch of necks. And he had a drummer play the necks like a xylophone. Okay. Yeah, because I've, I've heard him do that before. With no microphones. Yeah, three thousand people is in where the sound guy is, so about the middle of the room, <laughs> playing a xylophone of <coughs> of tone woods, and then he goes, "There you go, that answers your to- your your tone wood debate." <laughs> yeah, he was very careful about not using the f word, um, <laughs> because I would have I would have used it uh, I would have uh, said it differently, but there were kids there too. Um, and uh, so anyway, he did that. And then, of course, at the stage, you saw the video. Um, 
and you saw how close I was. It was right yeah. there. That was cell phone. That was cell phone footage. And so you know how cell phones always make it look like you're further away than you are. Right, right, I right. Was right, effing there. I, it was so good and so smooth. Did he? Imp- did he impress you as a player? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I so I watched him put that slide on and take it off like it was, you know, like a hat. And, and he, he plays it open tuning with no slide, and it sounds yeah. freaking incredible. It was it was amazing. They had a great singer, the young lady that was singing. Um, and uh, that that HXDA amp. Yep, yep. That thing sounds good, doesn't it? It does. It does. I gotta say that that um, you know, and Paul was right there. He Paul is the one that handed him. You know, it, it was like making sure the guitar was there and ready and. He was very one on, so I knew I wasn't going to get my interview by that point. I was like, "Yeah, Paul's yeah," because you, you see, like he's like orchestrating everything, so oh, everything. And then he got on stage, and let me tell you something: I've seen Paul play in videos. Oh yeah, no, he knows how to play. That guy is an effing really good player. He was rocking it out. Um, the Paul Reed Smith band—they were amazing. It was—it was an amazing day. It was an amazing evening. I. I I wouldn't trade it. I mean, it was it was uh, a horrible drive home. It was uh, next year. Next year you're going both days. Though next time they're going both days. Oh yeah, next time I, I think they're doing it every two years. Next time I'm doing it um, uh, both days. I'm definitely going to go up for the night before. Um, I'll do what I have to do to get in the signature club. So I'm getting the dinner. Um, so I'm going to talk to some folks about that. But um, and that he's going to commit murder, folks. He just said he was going to do what he had to do. Whatever I have to do. That's. Man. That's freaking crazy. If you're in, if you're in, if you're in my fucking way, you are going to be out of the way. <laughs> that, that, that's some, that's some uh, crazy commitment to the Practical Guitarist podcast, my friend. Uh, you've outdone you yourself. Right. So um, overall, um, uh, I know that in two years, that's that's my target time to buy uh, um, the custom shop. So I might be taking one home. I don't mean to interrupt you, Jim, yeah. but I, I got to stop for a second. Fuck you, ice cream man. Fuck you. <laughs> you can't anyway. hear him. Um, I, I I can. <laughs> uh, well, believe me, I'm I'm sure you can hear the the train a lot louder. I can hear your ice cream man. <laughs> but the ice cream man stopped me as I'm yeah. passing by. I, that would be cool if it was David Lee Roth. I'd be like, come here, I'll ice talk cream to you for man. A so um uh yeah, they had a they had a bunch of great stuff. You could you could literally pay a, um a dollar for a ticket, roll the dice, and win a, f- and you were guaranteed to win an item. So it was like those things that the th- but it wasn't like a dollar item. They were like seven, eight dollar items. So there were people just playing that for charity. Yeah. And he was giving away um, you know, uh, you know, that was keychains and t-shirts and Paul Rogers CD and um, you know, stickers and things like that. But they were things that we were selling for three or four dollars over at the tent. So and the and the t-shirts were like six, eight bucks for that t-shirt. And and so um I was gonna get a um a polo shirt, but I, there was no way I was gonna spend fifty dollars on a fucking polo shirt. Just not yeah, yeah, but I did spend seventy dollars on a new strap. We, we spent quite a bit on ours, but let's let's move well, on. Now. That's that's because we're the practice guitarists, and it's our yeah, well, it's our no. brand. Hey, let me explain this something. This is something I believe in. It's called the pleasure principle. Yes, and that is if you're going to spend money on yourself, make yourself happy. Find the things that you have to do every day and improve those. Right. And so what do we do every day? Well, at least. What do, what do most of us do every day? We put on clothes. That's right. And they should you don't live in a nudist here. That's right. Thank God. So, overall, 
Um, I got to give it a thumbs up. And, and here's the thing. So I, I want to say the things that Paul was talking about. He had missed an interview the night before because he was already behind on interviews. He said, I made a promise. I'm going to get it done. Um, the, uh, the other thing that um, he did, so um, as the, I was in one of the last uh, tours because I kind of wanted to be at the end because I wanted to sure. be able to ask questions and I didn't want people going, ooh, we got another tour coming. You got to get done. Yeah. Get done. Yeah. No, actually, we wind up having um, security throwing us out because security was going to leave. They were getting ready to, to, they were closing the, the doors to the factory. They're throwing me out because I'm, I'm there. Because ah. So anyway, as I'm asking the questions about this. Because Jim doesn't know that, when to leave, that's why. No, because I, I was asking my questions. It was, it was stuff that I wanted to ask. So, you know, I wanted to ask about the woods. I wanted to ask about the, you know, um, the, the tools and the dice. I found out, you know, okay, I can't just replace one set of um, tuners with another from the SE to the core line because they're they're different and so on and so forth. Right, right. So um I uh I asked about, you know, the 8515s, are they gonna be released soon as a as a pickup? Well, eventually, but right now we've got to make them and fill our orders. They are still behind in orders. They are still the, so I, I want to put this in perspective. In in two thousand, okay, I have my I have two thousand one single cut. In two thousand when you ordered those, you were on an 18 to 24 month waiting list. And I talked to the guy, he was working there back then. And I said to him, I said, yeah, I had to order mine. And he goes, he goes, how long did you wait? Two years? I said, yeah, pretty close. So that's, um, uh, to speak to the efficiencies now, there's still a waiting list. Yeah. And they try to hook out as many guitars as possible. That's right. Which is why that S2 line happened. How do, um, how many guitars do you think go out, of, out the door a day from the core line? Well, you're going to tell me, so. Well, how many do you think? Let's let's talk I about would Gibson. Guess it's in the hundreds, a low hundreds, maybe below. Below a hundred. Twenty. Like seventy-five. There, there yeah, are two. Around hundred. There are two. Count them. Two signature guitars that go out a day. Oh, I, when I say signature, I'm in the um the the um private stock. Right, two. right. No, I'm surprised that's that high. To be honest with you, two. That's the most that they put out a day. Well, it, it, that high, that's because that's, they're still not meeting demand. Two a day. Uh, there's, um, they were talking about the, the percentage of, because um, this one guy he said he got a core model and blah, blah, blah. And I'm gonna, the other guy was like 40%, but it's only 40% of 30-something that are left over from after they, they went through these other things. Hold on. Right. So he was like, you're only talking 40% of 35s. You're only talking about 18, 16 to 18 guitars that go out a day of their core. That, it's an amazing low number of guitars that go out of that place a day. When you compare that to like Gibson, when they talk about the number of guitars they put out a day or a month, which is in the thousands. Right. That's, that's what I'm talking about. So yeah. um, the other thing Paul did, so it, it, it started to storm. The, the security, I want to put, you, put this timing in perspective. Security had just, you know, left. The, the doors of the factory are closed. A lightning storm comes. This was my last chance to talk to Paul. A lightning storm comes. God said, you're not talking to him today. A lightning storm comes. Pow! You know, crack. And somebody said, geez, I don't hope they don't get any closer. I said, I hope we get our beer before they do something. So we got our beer. <laughs> and just as we're getting our beer, Paul is on the announcement. He's like, everybody inside. He put 3,000 people in his 
unsecured building with guitars hanging and sitting, finished in, in um, uh, their cases. It, it, you went by everything. There were the guitars waiting to go out, the be- guitars and basses waiting to go out the door. It was everything. You went inside there and, and he went in. He went right with everybody. Um, thank God I had my beer. He went with everybody. <laughs> um, can, can, I, can I ask a question, though? Did they allow me it? to have the beer in there? Yes. No, I knew that. <laughs> Jim's still alive, so. Yeah. Uh, no, um, yeah, because you would have went out to get your beer in the lightning storm. But anyway, um, I'm just laughing, and I wanted to ask, yeah. was, was Paul Reed Smith riding on a white horse or a unicorn? A white horse. He was definitely on a white horse. <laughs> There's some the legendary guy, heroics going on here, folks. The guy, no, but the guy, I mean, think about how much damage could have been caused. Think about how much loss could have happened with people stealing sure. stuff. And sure. yet, nothing happened. So, as all these people are funneled in, and, they're, and they're, they've got their funnel cakes, and they've got their pizza... And they've got their calzones, and they've got their beers, and they've got their sodas, and they've got their water. calzones. I, I, yeah, but you've got guitars that are waiting to be like, finished. The guy's like, hold on, greasy... I'm gonna put my, I'm gonna put my plate down over here on this, uh, this, yeah, uh, this silver sky, my, yeah, down on the silver sky. That's a good plate, man. Yeah. That's the best plate I've ever used. Um, <laughs> he's got, and no one's going to John Mayer now. Paul, instead of Paul walking through, please don't touch the stuff. Please don't do this. Please, no. he walks through. He goes, he goes. I'm sorry this happened. I hope you don't think that it was my intention to put 3,000 of my favorite people into a building when we should be out there having fun. That's, that's really, really cool. I mean, that's not the exact honest, words, dude. but he did, say, uh, he did say something to that effect. I, I heard him, but I didn't, I, you know, I didn't record I know the it, logic. So, I know but the that's logic about what he was. It's probably going through Paul's head at that point is that, look, we got we got people here, prospective buyers. Number one, number two, is also that you know they're they're genuine people, and he's a genuine guy. And his whole thing is like, look, all of these people know about guitars. They know better than to jack up my inventory. Yes, an accident could happen, but an accident could happen while we're working there during the day too. And so it would much be better be much better to have people in that building safe than it would be to have them walking the grounds during a lightning storm. I asked about that. So here's here's an interesting story. So when we got to where those where I took the pic- pictures of the silver skies, okay, that's the finishing area. That's where everything happens at the end. Right. Somebody comes in, and the next thing that the, the only other thing that happens after that, it gets polished up, put in a case, and um, ag hung and shipped out. That's where the electronics you put in. That's where it's you know that's final testing. That's everything. So as I'm sitting there, I asked. I said, "Do you ever see um, a guitar that gets here and then it gets dinged or whatever?" And he goes, "He goes, I wish I could tell you no." He said, but it has happened in the past. It doesn't happen anymore. So what, what happened, what, and this was one of their um, uh, things they learned fast. So you remove tools from your, your um, place of work. The less yeah, tools you have to have. Thing. That's right. The less tools you have to have, the less chance you have of dinging it onto a tool. So that doesn't mean somebody doesn't drop things and it does happen. And, you know, we just move on from that. Nobody get. You know, but uh, um, it's a it's an incredible machine, right? I mean, it is machine. Everybody is part of a system, right? You are you are part of a system. But I well, tell I, you, the Silver Skies and the and the CES, 
Now I can say, yes, they are definitely built. They are literally built side by side, literally built side by side. The same person that puts your the electronics into the Silver Sky, puts them into the CE, puts them into the S2, puts them into the, um, the core model. Right. So Am I'm going to reflect. No, I'm going to reflect on this whole thing because like. I'm a big fan of not necessarily Bob Taylor's guitars, but Bob Taylor's manufacturing processes and the way that he conducts himself. Um, he's one of the few guys in the guitar industry that seems to be concerned with the fact that we are using up much of the world supply of various woods that we use in constructing guitars, particularly ebony. Um, and that he's taking these conservationist approaches. And it seems like Paul Reed Smith is kind of the same thing in the electric side of the business in that he tries to keep his manufacturing processes both simple, elegant, and functional, and also um, advanced. Because they do use CNC there. Um, they do use you know things to improve the overall quality of the guitar and to improve the consistency. So they can... But they don't set that bar lower because they're trying to be consistent. And that's what a lot of companies end up doing, is they say, look, I got these CNC machines, and I'm going to make these bodies, and so my tolerances on my CNC are not that high. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just let my tolerances be all over the place and accept more as part of my quality control procedures. Um, That's how you end up with with, uh, companies like... um, uh, that are importing these guitars in foreign countries and have less quality control stringency. I was going to try to name names, but really we all know there's a bunch of companies doing it. And it's not really fair to, to uh, poke that, that, uh, no bear. Yeah. So, but, but it just seems like Paul is very like forward thinking in terms of, um, in, to, in terms of how he runs his shop. Yes, very much so. And he's very hands-on and that was, you know, that was the good and the bad as far as being a podcaster and hoping to get some time with him was that, you know, obviously he was a very busy man, but that said, I'm not taking away from the fact that that's the, that's the, that's me being, um, what's the word I want? Selfish. Right. Yeah. He, no, I agree. Right. He is the person who is making sure that all this stuff happens, um, and that you, you know, you get your product. You're well, and and, and I want to point out something. You know, when you think about this, how many people alive can say that they owned a Leo Fender that they know, or a, a Leo Fender built guitar, right. either a Music Man, a Fender, or a GNL, right. or any of the other various companies that you contract for, you contract work for, can say that they know for certain that he had his hand on their instrument, right? And there's a pretty good chance that Paul may have touched yours at some point. Right. Because he's involved in that operation. I've worked with several small business people that remind me kind of the work ethic that Paul Reed Smith brings to the table, which is part of the reason why I'm I'm interested in, in how he does things. Um, and those guys are always very, very hands-on people. They want to be involved and they want to be upfront with everything and try to um, do what they can to improve the quality of what they provide. So... Um, yeah, so I have to I have to give a big shout out um and and thanks to the uh the entire staff that was there. Um of course Gene um you know for for making it happen um and giving uh, frankly it was about everybody. And that was the thing. You didn't have to be a YouTuber to get into the uh, to see or talk to the folks 
who put together the, um, the Tremonti and asked questions. You did not need to be a professional guitar player to shake Paul's hand or to um, uh, get your, your guitar autographed or to, you know, take the time to, to talk to him and ask him a question. There really just was no boundary there. I no. mean, you could have probably seen Derek Trucks walking around. It exactly. wouldn't have been a big deal. And it was, oh, I did. It was not a big yeah. deal. And I didn't know who he was. Oh, shit. I would have walked up and been like, I had no I, got idea. All your, I got all your records. And I got to be honest, like, you're one of the few guitar players that can reduce me to tears. When Gene was standing <laughs> next to me, this is funny, the, then you would hate me for this. Gene is sitting next to me, asked me if there's anybody I want to interview. He's standing right there, and I go, yeah, I'd like to talk to Tyler Larson. And, and I got to imagine Derek Trucks is probably sitting there in the back of his head being like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> like, you don't even know who the hell I am. You're such an asshole. <laughs> no, Derek, I'm sure Derek doesn't. I'm sure Derek's not like that. But No, no, he was of, not. It's just one of those things. So, But he was um, literally standing right to, to my left when I, when I did that. Was his wife there? I don't know. I didn't. Susan, Susan Tedeschi. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know who Susan is, but I, I honestly I'm gonna, I'm because gonna have to give you some records because Derek dude. has changed his hair so many times in the past. I'm used to him looking like a teenager with the hair going back, but in the in obviously in, as the time has gone, he's changed his hair and he's changed his look a bit. So. Yeah, well, he's aging too. I mean, yeah, oh, we all are. So he's a kid compared to me. Shut up, Jim. Now I got to ask the questions that I I have to ask. Like I really want to know these things. So Go I'm, for I'm it. Gonna ask. No. Go for it. So you so you went to Paul Reed Smith Experience, right? Yes. We know you have guitars. We know you have the tattoos of the, the birds on your, your wrist. Oh, right? everybody was like, cool tattoo, man. Yeah, I'm sure people were like coming <laughs> up to you it. and like, can I oh, autograph yeah. your art? Yeah, no. it was it was anyway. pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, um my whole thing is like now you've gotten to see the amps. Yes. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I knew you were gonna ask me this. Um okay. The truth. Be fair. If you don't like yeah. them, you don't like them. No, I loved them. And, and the and the hardest thing is that if when I go to get a Paul Reed Smith amp, I don't know which one I want yet. I looked at all of them because okay, here's the thing about the clinics. So each clinic used a different amp. Awesome. So Tyler didn't use the same amp as Emil and what you call it as um, uh, the first guy Peter. So or Mike Michael. So each one had a different um, amp that they played through. <clears throat> and because of that, um, I got to hear them, and I got to hear them loud. I got to hear them cranked. They were right in my face, right at, right at my face level. Um, I did a screenshot of Tyler Ross, because if you watch Tyler's um, video, his vlog of returning, you'll see me in the front row um, to the right of the, of the split of the, of the um, folks. And I'm just standing there listening. You know, I'm, I, the whole time I'm just, Taking it in, taking it in, taking it in. Because I wanted to hear, okay, what's that guitar sound like? What's it feel like? You know, Tyler, he had a heck of a time with one of the pedals because somebody had just given him a pedal, literally just, here, try my pedal <laughs> in front of everybody. First time, and so it was first time it was plugged into his thing. Um, and so uh, that, that had to be difficult for him because he was like, uh, you know, trying to get it dialed in. It wasn't that it was a bad pedal. It was just trying to dial it into his rig, you know. Um, and uh, going over stuff. But um, anyway, it would be hard for me. I would want... The Archon really looks good to me. Yeah, so I'm looking at the list of what they currently offer. Because they... All right, so the PRS amp line has gone through a couple of different iterations. They've yeah. always been good. 
Yeah. And anybody who says otherwise, they're full of shit. Right. Unless they're talking about the SE amp that they built. Because yeah. there was one amp they built. And actually, Paul was the reason that, that thing got discontinued because they, they, they were having so many problems. And they, they, they actually were not going to make amps overseas. They basically just said, enough is enough. We've, we've done screwed this up. So um, I've had the Sanzera. I had the 50-watt head. And it is one of the most versatile amps you can get. And it is not expensive at all. I mean, honestly, the head is 800 bucks. Like, that's cheaper than a deluxe reverb. Um, so, and that's new, not used. Now, they are made, the, the boards are made in China. The, the amp is assembled there. And I'm sure you probably got to see where they actually assembled them. Um, and they sound great. If you're looking for a JCM 800 sound, the Sanzera was beating the the uh, Silver Jubilee and the JCM 800 that they had at my local shop. So um, I kind of miss my Sanzera. I don't. I still don't feel like it's the one that got away per se. Um, I think if I were to do it again, I'd get a combo and not the head. Uh, and I might go to the 20 watt because 20 watts just seems to be the the sweet spot for me for whatever reason. But they have some incredible stuff, man. That HXDA amp is unbelievably good sounding. Um, and they've got the David Grissom now, um, but, but even some of their older ones, and you can still find them in stores because they didn't sell real well were the, uh, the Dallas, the Dallas series. Uh, I played a Dallas two and I was hard pressed not to walk out of the store with it. It reminded me of one of the early, early Buddha, uh, twin masters. I got to play years ago. Just, just great amps. Like I don't, I, there are players playing the Archon. I've seen that quite a bit. But outside the Archon, people are touching this stuff. And I I think the Archon is picking up speed because it's supposedly, and I don't I, I use this very loosely, it's supposed to be a clone of a of a Bogner Ubershaw. Yeah, it had a very growly, aggressive tone that just punched but, you right in the face. But but the thing about the um uh, the uh Archon that's really cool is the clean channel is unfreaking believably good. And you never yeah. get that in a high gain amp like that. Let me now, tell you, something. Jason Fuzzmonger is probably going to rip me a new one for that. But but I just don't. I don't believe it. I don't. I'll tell you right now that the the um, so the first amp that got played was a Grissom, and it was it was king loud. I mean, it was powerful loud. If you're looking for something that you can you can hit right in the face, they had the big one too. They didn't just have the little one. They had the uh, uh, what, the 100 watt amp or whatever, 50 watt yeah. amp. Yeah, they had the 50 watt head, <clears throat> and of course the two by 12, and that thing just um, kicked. This well, so in general, um, I've noticed that companies that tend to charge a little bit more for their cabs tend to produce some pretty good sounding amplifiers. Yeah. Um, the PRS Stealth four by 12, which is a 240 watt cabinet with vintage 30s, yep. is Eleven hundred, oh, twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, eleven ninety nine. Uh, the four, the uh, Stealth two by twelve, uh, is four hundred nineteen dollars, which is not bad. But that's a new, that's a new design for them. They're, they don't usually do that one. Um, and of course, they still have the custom series, which are, I, I kind of feel like they're a little bit of their take on like what a Mark V would be if PRS built it. Yep. So the, and they're cool too. 
Well, um, honestly, I, I you know I, I'll have to try them again, but I th- I think I kind of fell in love with the Archon Fifty. Um, so. Well, that seems it seems kind of your style because it's got like that that big low end. Yep. Um, I have to I, have low end. You know the way I play. I, I if if I had thirty four hundred dollars, I would have an HXDA. It would have happened already. Yeah, I just yeah. don't have that kind of money. Yeah, that's a that's a, definitely a high end pro amp. It's yeah, HXDA. well, and it's I I believe it's a limited run. Yeah, the HXDA is for for those who are not annoyed is the uh, the clone of the Hendrix uh, 1968 Super Lead Plexi. Yep, alongside uh, Dwayne Almond's yeah. 1968 Super Lead Plexi. So they're actually slightly different. Yep, I think he was, I think this is a 68 too. Um, and they were they so what they did is they they put a toggle switch and you could switch between them. Yeah, and both sides just sound freaking amazing. Uh, and so, so those guys, both of those guys are really like critical to how I've developed as a player. I would definitely that amp would be like right at home in my closet. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think the Archon um, 50 head is what I would go with. Again, I I, I got to play a, a um a Silver Sky through it, and I just I got blown away. Yeah. Well, so I'm glad to hear that you like a Strat style guitar, Jim. I, I don't know how the hell that happened. Yeah, it was interesting. Um. I think that it, that it's because of the way they voiced, and you're going to hate noiseless, me. It's not noiseless, though, right? You're gonna, no, but you're going to hate me for saying that uh, that I liked an underpowered. Um, in that case, I really loved the underpowered um, uh, pickups. You know, the, the thing is that they're when I say underpowered, they're not like uh, you know, like what I'm used to, even the eighty five fifteens, you know, or the um, or the uh, Gibson. Um, 490, think, 498s or the uh, burst buckers. I think um, single coils yeah. lend themselves to being lower powered more but, than yeah. Go ahead, buckers. Paul has announced as of yesterday. He didn't even announce it there. He announced a new guitar, a Paul guitar, which it might be the one. It might be the one where. You ha- you get to play um, a it it has a um, coil split where you where it literally removes the other coil. He said they finally figured out. You know how you were talking about how and and I wanted to be able to ask him what the future guitars were, and I bet you that was going to be his freaking answer, and I didn't get it. But anyway, so um, uh, he got. He's figured out how to split the coil without losing volume, right? And and that's been a huge thing for guitar players who play coil splits. He said he said I know all these pro players and they just won't use the split because, boom, volume's gone. Yeah, and you know the thing is though, like I think he's already solved that problem. To be honest with you, like when I pick up one of their guitars with a tap on it, Jesus, like it's so good that it's, I I almost don't want him to fix it anymore. Yeah, well, now, I, I I haven't seen the proof of the pudding yet, but um, this, I'm yeah. sure if he's he's touting it, it's going to be pretty good. <clears throat> yeah, and I'll what, put the I'll put the video that he announced it on in the group. But it was it was amazing that uh, um, the you know the video that he put out was it was just amazing. Well, so what I'd like to see, and not necessarily from Paul Ray Smith, but this is something that that I, I personally would like to see. More companies putting out dummy coils in their guitars. We have we have hit the the point where everybody knows single coils are noisy. 
Yes. Nobody really wants to deal with it. I'm no. sorry, but if you're that guy that's like, if my pickups don't hum, they're not authentic. Well, I didn't you hear can any get hum. the fuck out. Nobody cares what you think. I, I'm going to tell you, I didn't. I didn't hear any hum when I was playing the um the uh, John Mayer, the, the Silver yeah, Sky. Yeah, the Silver Sky. But and and I'm going to say this. I was playing it through an Archon, the clean channel. Well, that's why. <laughs> and then I, I went to the dirty channel. I started with the clean channel. I should have picked up a, a 60 cycle hum in there somewhere. Yeah, I don't. I, I can guarantee you is there on the dirt channel. You just weren't listening for it. Yeah. Well, again, remember, I was listening through it through headphones, and I, it was an IR. And, that could be a bigger issue. They, and they could even have gating on it. That's right. They might have had gating on it. There might have been a compressor in the line. Who knows? No, there wasn't because it was a straight cable. It was straight in. I do. Yeah. But, it, but anyway, I just, it's a very simple solution. All you have to do is put a reverse round coil that matches the pickup that's in the guitar. Just stick it in the control cavity. And and really, you don't even have to do all three positions. Most people don't use the middle position. So if you only did it on the neck and, and uh, bridge, perfect. You still have to put magnets in it. The second right. you put magnets in it, then you've got, you got sound coming there. Then, yes, there is a little bit of total alteration, but it's not as severe as doing a stacked humbucker. And I'll tell you right now, I've had a bunch of stacked humbuckers over the years, and they're not the same thing as a single coil pickup. So if you want authenticity, you can't do that. But there are solutions to this problem, and somebody needs to get off their ass and start doing it. Um, actually, Fishman has – so they talked about – and I don't know if they're ever going to bring this to fruition, but they talked about designing a backplate because they have their solid-state coil technology, right? It was developed for the military and then used in their pickups. Because um, the engineer who developed it actually actually works for them now, um, and they could do, they could put a coil, or even multiple coils with with a you know some sort of selector on your bridge plate, so you could dial out the hum. All you have to do is match the impedance of your pickup. I guess. I mean, I'm just assuming that's what they were going for. Um, that product is vaporware. It has not it has not happened to my knowledge. If somebody wants to share and say that it has, uh, I would be thrilled to know that. But uh, anyway, so yeah, dummy coils. Paul, get on it. Let's see some dummy coils. <laughs> I don't care who makes them at this point, like I said. But it would be cool if you could, if, you know, the Silver Sky had a dummy coil put into the, like, into the cavity on the guitar or something. It's going to add a little bit of weight. But frankly, I mean, the the, the trade-off is, of course, that your, your pickups don't... Uh, I'm like a motherfucker, so maybe be kind of nice. Um, granted, I I do know that certain humbucker or certain single coil pickups lend themselves to hum more than others. Wax potting has an effect on this. It seems like, um, of course, we have our pickup technology people that we could probably refer to for that and actually get on the show and talk about that at some point. Maybe we should, but um, yeah. So it sounds like you had a really good time. Sounds like uh, the Paul Reed Smith experience really changed. A lot of people's perceptions, um, not really necessarily perceptions, but it, but it reinforced a lot of people's perceptions about the company. Yeah. Um, and uh, what it did, what it did for me, the one perception that I had, we're up, we're up over an hour, so we're we're getting to a close. But what, one thing I could say is, as many times I've seen several videos with Paul, and he's so hyped up, and he's so um, passionate. You're like, eh, th- there's no way somebody stays like that, and. Yeah, no, it that's him. That's truly him. You know, he yeah. doesn't doesn't put on an air. He's he's definitely Paul all the time. And 
you know, he definitely has that passion. Well, with that, uh, I think we should end the show. I have been David. I have been Jim. And we have been... The Practical Guitarists. That's right. No.